It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked On Sabres podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the Locked On NHL podcast, your Friday edition of the show. Joe DiBiase and Tom Gazzola. Tom and I were just chatting it up a little bit about the CFL before this show. Um, yeah, baby. There's no Locked On CFL episode or podcast. Well, you gotta get one of those rolling. You know, uh, there's a uh, shout out to a good crew, Justin Duncan, uh, his team at, at three down nation. They do a great job, but yeah, locked on CFL. Um, I'm not sure how well it would do Joe, to be honest <laughs> with you as a huge yeah. fan of the CFL life, lifelong fan grew up going to Edmonton Eskimo games. Now, obviously that's no longer the team's name, the, the double E football club soon to be unveiled. We think it's going to be Edmonton elk or Edmonton elk hounds. Okay. Whatever it is. Um, but the XFL, CFL stuff is pretty neat. I mean, I think yeah. it's time for the CFL to evolve, and this might be a good way to do it. Bring in more revenue, make it healthier, more teams. The Rock, who was a Calgary Stampeder for a brief period of time. He was on their practice squad. Maybe he played some preseason games. I'm not sure. In the mid-90s before he went to the WWE, um, he's heavily involved and. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of neat. I'd like to see the CFL thrive and and survive, uh, and I think this might be a way to do it. But you've got the old guard in Canada uh, that doesn't <laughs> like it. But I'll tell you what, they're not gaining any young fans, or yeah. or the limited number of young fans that are taking to the CFL are pretty open to the expansion with the XFL if it were to happen. And uh, yeah. as a 35 year old Joe who's watched the CFL for, for my entire life and loves the NFL just as much. Um, I, I like this idea, if, if it does indeed happen. I, I am all for uh, trying to spice up a sport that maybe could use it, if the CFL yeah. is that. Um, that's actually happening with baseball right now. I don't know if you saw this, but the Atlantic League, which I think is double A, maybe? I forgot what level. But the well, Atlantic they changed League... everything with the minor leagues this year, so who knows yeah. anymore. Well, yeah. they actually are going a step further. They're moving the mound back a foot. Wow. And they're throwing in some rule that I didn't even know existed called the double hook. Like, not existed, but, like, even had been thought of. Where if you pull your starting pitcher, you lose your DH. Oh, I so, like that. So it kind of influences the, the teams to, like, okay, you're not going to use nine relievers in this game. You're not going right. to take out your starting pitcher an inning in. Because if you do that, then your pitcher has got to go, got a bat for your DH the rest of the game. I like that. That's a yeah. good, that's a good strategy. I, I, I am all for, you know, to uh, tinkering with rules. Um, I know Daryl Morey from the, well, he's now the 76ers GM in the, uh, in the NBA was talking the other day about we need to change the the point scale because the three-pointer is too valuable. And if we go to a four-pointer and a three-pointer instead of three and two, then you might not have just everybody just trying to stand at the three-point line and shoot. Ah. Um, now, like some – in hockey, we've had plenty of debates like this. Like, oh, yeah. you know, expanding the size of the net. I hate uh, that. The three-two-one point system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
there's plenty of others that, uh, that I'm sure I'm not thinking of off the top of my head right now. I'm generally for let's like tinkering with rules to make the game better. Um, I do feel like hockey though usually is open to that, you know? Yeah, like yeah, more so than baseball at least. Well, baseball to me seems like the ultimate old boys club. The the old guys yeah. in the back rooms with the big money uh, that don't want to change their ways. That that seems to still stir the drink in, in the MLB. But with hockey, it, it was kind of like that. You know, you always hear about the traditionalists, but it seems to be evolving to a certain extent. I don't like the idea of changing the net size. Like, even though these goalies that are in net now are unbelievably athletic and monster human beings, they allow a lot of goals. Like, how many guys that are six foot five plus duck under shots? Yeah. And the, the shooters are so skilled now and so quick with the passing and uh, that we see lots of scoring in the National Hockey League. So I, I feel like it's not an issue anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you a rule, Joe, that I wouldn't mind seeing the NHL and hockey in general getting rid of, and it has to do with, with the ice, is, mm-hmm. is taking out the trapezoid. I don't think there's a need for it anymore. I think yep. it's stupid now. Um, I, I, got, I, I got it why they did it back in the day when they came out of the lockout in 0405 because mm-hmm. there were so many really good puck handling goalies that it, it yeah. had a huge effect on the game. I, I, I don't know why they punished uh, goaltenders and teams who had goaltenders that actually built up a skill that others didn't no. try to, to also work on and expand. And that, that trapezoid to me still get rid of it. I don't care for it. It's, mm-hmm. it's pointless. Like, it, to me, it's stupid. Take it out of the ice. I, I don't like it anymore. That's I never liked it, actually. Yeah, that's a good... I, I don't even remember caring about it at the beginning. But I know. You, but it, yeah, there's really no use for it to me. So no. I, I like I like that one. Yep. Um. All right. Not, plenty of time in the offseason for more uh, discussions of like course. that. Of course. We still uh, are only a few days removed from the NHL trade deadline. So we will get into some of the big trades that happened on Monday and even you know, in the days leading up to it uh, in the back half of today's show. But we got a couple of things to get to that are happening right now in the league before we do that. And let's start in the North Division with the Vancouver Canucks, who have been in shutdown for weeks now with a strain of the, the COVID virus going around their team. They were going to, I mean, at least the NHL was, you know, saying they're going to play on Friday. They were going to play tonight. And that was crazy to me. And hearing JT Miller's comments, like, we're not ready to play. Like, I'm, I'm glad that the, the Canucks players kind of stood up to this because, you know, there were other teams earlier in the year, like the Sabres and the Devils, who had to go through similar situations. And the NHL um, kind of put them in harm's way. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you're reading and you're hearing, like, okay, good on the Canucks for saying, like, we're not ready to come back and kind of standing up to the league in a way. But it does seem like they kind of put themselves in this situation um, off the get-go. So like maybe being a little careless in the arena with, with the, with the COVID protocols and such. Um, I don't know where I think it's, I wouldn't be surprised at this point if they don't return this season. Well, it, like y- you hope they return and they w- the NHL wants to get every team playing all 56 games. Um, yeah. I mean, as of Thursday, I was at the rink for the Oilers practice. They were going to practice, fly to Vancouver. Then they were going to 
play that game tonight. And then they were going to fly to Winnipeg, which is two time zones away. Um, and they'd get in late. They'd play a late game in Winnipeg. And then they would fly back to Edmonton for a game on Monday against the Montreal Canadiens. So it was three and four nights for the Oilers in three different time zones where they're bouncing back and forth. They weren't happy. Um, obviously, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stories going around about the Canucks, how they contracted it. Um, it, it came at a time where they weren't playing particularly well. Travis Green said, Hey, I want you guys to get hockey off your mind, out of sight, out of mind, take a few days. Then, then, you know, we'll come back to the rink refreshed and get, get after it again. And apparently some took that too deliberately and were a little loose with their, um, mm approach to to everything that's going on and it, it sounds like it, it caught up with them and all of a sudden they had this massive outbreak of the brazilian strain and it hit this team hard now as a person i'm glad that everybody it sounds like from the canucks is is doing better uh guys are back on the ice the families I, although it was hit hard in general um everybody seems to be okay mm-hmm. and at some point, hopefully, they everybody's back to normal. Uh, obviously, you don't want anybody. You don't want to wish ill on anyone. At the same time, the, the competitive edge, if you're the Oilers or any other team that's supposed to take on the Canucks right away, you're looking at that going, okay, we're glad you're all right, but we don't want to give you any competitive edge because sure. of what you did to yourself. And, and, I mean, that's a harsh way of putting it. But in a way, you know, there's six other teams in the division that need to finish these games. And, and it's, it's, it sucks overall, but Mm. at the same time, like you said, there's been other teams that after they came out of protocol, they didn't have a ton of time to get back at it. Uh, Look at the Montreal Canadians. They beat the Oilers the first night back. They spanked the Oilers for nothing. Edmonton was awful in that game, disrupted the schedule in a huge way. Buffalo's gone through it. Boston's gone through it. The Dallas stars, Joe, right out of the gates, this season had it. And then they had that massive snowstorm in texas that shut down the entire state for what like a week week and a half and dallas ended up having to play a schedule with like uh 40 games in like an 85 day span something ridiculous like that montreal's playing an unbelievably brutal schedule right now as well so i could see some teams looking at the canucks going all right we need you guys to be back fit and ready to play but at the same time we're not gonna pamper you and say uh, take as much time as you want. It, it's <laughs> it's this it's this weird dichotomy that that's kind of going on. Um, I think the most important thing, and and everybody's on the same page with this, is they're worried about the health of everyone in the Canucks organization, in the family of the Canucks organization, and then on the other side of it, they're like, "All right, like now that you guys are okay, when you get the mm-hmm. clearance from the doctors, everyone says you're all right. It's go time." And, uh, and, and, you know, JT Miller came out, he had, was very impassioned with what he said and it worked, you know, they got their, their restart delayed. Um, mm-hmm. but the other teams are itching to go and play them and get the schedule handled and out of the way, because all of a sudden the North division has become a total disruption. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's stick with, uh, well, not the West, I guess there's not really conferences anymore, but. Um, in the West Division, the Honda West Division, every week this seems to change in the standings where we talk about it. And it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe, where I think I said that that division was wrapped up. It was going to be Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota, St. Louis. Then the next week, Arizona 
had just rocketed themselves into that fourth spot. Literally more so St. Louis had kind of fallen off a cliff. And then the next week, it was Arizona actually looks pretty comfortable here. Like they had a four-point lead. The I know moneypuck.com had them uh, or had the Blues only at like 14% chance to make the playoffs. And then a week later, oh, look, St. Louis is right back into the fourth spot. And they have two games in hand on the Coyotes. So um, a lot of this, though, is, you know, it seems like they're taking turns kind of with these big losing streaks. St. Louis had that really bad stretch where they lost like 12 out of 15 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Arizona is right now in the midst of a five-game losing streak. So uh, I, I feel hesitant to just declare, okay, this is the Blues um, that are going to get this spot. But it does seem like um, I, I would have picked them anyway if it all else been equal because I like their roster a lot better. Uh, and with their one-point lead and two games in hand now, I'd pick the Blues, but I am happy to have the race, at least, in the league. Well, it's like one of the last races <laughs> left in the entire league, right? right. There might right. be one in the Central as well, brewing, but and the, uh, we'll for the see. fourth spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Only to be, you know, just absolutely railroaded by either Carolina, Tampa, or yeah. Florida <laughs> anyway, right? Yes. Uh, I, although, if, if Dallas sneaks in there in the Central, I could see them. Yeah kind of resurging a little bit and they could do it they're five points back of nashville they have three games in hand right um if i were one of those top three teams if i'm carolina tampa florida uh i don't think this is like a hot take or anything i think i would i'd be gunning for the one seed to play nashville or chicago and i wouldn't want to play dallas yep i'm i'm in the same boat as you and dallas is kind of just because of that situation with their schedule covid snowstorm all that that i mentioned earlier like people just wrote them off and i think to a certain extent rightly so but that's still a good team over there they went to the stanley cup final and and because they they were so far behind in the scheduling you just kind of wrote them off and you're like ah dallas you know that's too bad wasted year but they might salvage it and you're right like nashville kind of had this massive resurgence chicago you know almost by default just kind of hung around in that four hole and and you were just waiting for the other shoe to drop where they would fall out. And here they are kind of still quasi in it. But I like Dallas's chances ahead of Chicago's and then Columbus. Man, like they're, what they're a disaster. Done. Yeah. Wierenski's out for the year now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Just it's something bad is brewing there. And it's that's tough because it had so much potential to be good. Yeah. But in the West, Joe, like a week ago, everyone was saying bye bye blues. And Arizona, Arizona kind of, I don't know, not the same as Chicago, but they definitely bumbled it away. And, and this five-game slide is is an is a ouch, big-time ouch. And I, it's so hard to get a read on the Blues because even the year they won the Cup, they were the worst team in the league as of, like, January 3rd mm-hmm. of 2019, you know? And they made that massive climb, and then they surge all the way to the Cup. They have a good year last year, obviously faltered in the postseason. The return to play was bizarre. Let's not kid ourselves. And then this year, they've just been so hit or miss. It, it, they're, they're like a two-faced team. It's like, yeah. which St. Louis Blues are going to show up today? The good team that won the Stanley Cup two years ago or the team that was actually in last place yeah. in January? <laughs> like it's, Both of those teams are still, they are the two-face of the NHL. Yeah. They are Jekyll and Hyde for sure. Totally. <laughs> um, I have you sat with? Well, I guess it, 
it's maybe known at this point. Everyone knows like what can happen in the Stanley cup final, by the way, I was thinking about this yesterday that I, I didn't know until yesterday that anybody can play anybody because of the reseeding that's going to happen in the semifinals. Right. So like you could get a Boston Montreal f- final. You could get, um, you could get Montreal Toronto. No, you couldn't get Montreal Toronto. Though. They're in the same division. You get Toronto right, Boston. Right. Um, I'm I'm getting excited for the, the playoff format this year. I'm interested yeah. to see what it looks like. Uh, the interdivision matchups. I'm interested to see what it's going to look like in the semis when everybody finally meets each other. Because the 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 story of this season, in a way, is we we know how good you are within your division, but we don't really have a good perspective of how good you are league wide. Yeah, you know, like yeah. in the West right now, like Minnesota is looking really good, but is it? okay, they are actually a great team in the league or they're just better than the other five teams behind them in the, in the West. Yeah. Um, and they just, they never have to play Carolina and Tampa and Washington and Pittsburgh and Toronto and Edmonton and Winnipeg. Like, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens once we get to the semifinals. And maybe you have the potential for some quick series because maybe someone comes out of their division that isn't belonging of being in the final four. <laughs> right. Um, I suppose it's part of the charm of this, abbreviated 56 game interdivisional season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to see something crazy like that with, with two teams that aren't supposed to play each other facing off in the Stanley cup final. And, and yep. you'd be like, well, you know, 2020, 2021, it was a weird year. And there's been some rumblings that have popped up in recent weeks about should the North division be a permanent thing? Um, I'm going to say this, like, I don't care for it. It, I thought as a one-off, mm-hmm. it was fine. We'll look back on it and be like, boy, do you remember 2020? And then the following hockey season, how it was affected and all Canadian division and all that stuff. That was crazy. And then be done with the story. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't care for the North division. I am tired of seeing the Ottawa Senators four times <laughs> in a two-week span. I'm tired of seeing... The, the Calgary Flames five times in a 26-day span. Like, I, I love the Battle of Alberta. I love when Canadian teams face off against each other on a Saturday night. Hockey Night in Canada, doubleheader. Those are fun nights, especially when you're covering a game and you're in the building and you feel that excitement. The fans are going. The wobbly pops are flowing. It's, it's a good feeling. But this interdivisional always facing Canadian teams, I don't like it. And I'm ready for it to be over. And I'm going to enjoy the ride while it lasts. And then hopefully, like you said, we do see some crazy matchups uh, with the reseeding. I'm all for it as a one-off. But, Joe, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm ready to go back to the Western and Eastern Conference with the traditional divisions. I hear you. I am sick of playing the Islanders and the Devils and the Flyers right. and the Rangers. Like, let's. I like playing the Canadian teams. Like, those are the games I look forward to. Even, you know... I think a lot of Sabre fans get annoyed because the Leafs take over the building. Yeah. You know, not entirely, <laughs> but it becomes almost 50-50. Right. Uh, and it can really elect it, – it can just send a, a charge through the entire arena, the place for atmosphere. It feels like a neutral site game. Um, and Montreal to a lesser extent too. Like when Montreal yeah. comes to town, like there's always a sea of red mixed into that crowd. <laughs> um, same, same in Canada. You always see Leafs and, and Habs fans. They travel very, yeah. very well. Let me ask you this, because I've, I've gotten this on my post-game show a few times more recently. 
Um, you know, there's, there's always some people that try to stir the drink. You know what it's like working those shows. Um, someone yeah. keeps, or there's been a few people texting into my show on the post game specifically calling the North division, the NFC East of the NHL. Oh. And I'm just like, I'm just like, <laughs> like, are you that dense or are you just trying to get people riled up? But there's been mm. a few like that. And I'm like, how do we truly know which division is the NFC East of the NHL? We have no clue. Yeah, I don't think it's the I don't think it's the North Division. I think if anything, I would consider it to be the East because when I think of the the NFC East, what I think of is big market like metropolitan East Coast teams that are just always shoved down your throat. Mm-hmm. Like in the NFL, it's always about what the Cowboys are doing. It's always about the Giants. You know, it's always Washington and Philadelphia and those in Dallas and New York on right. Monday night football. And they're always on they're the, they're the lone 425 game when like that's all you can watch. Um, and like to me, when I think of that for hockey, I think of the I mean, I guess they are fun to watch, but that same like shove it and shoving them down your throat. That's Pittsburgh and Washington and and the rangers and the flyers boston. and the devils boston yeah. yeah like to me those are the teams i think of when i think of nfc east not the north i actually complain about nbc's schedule almost annually because mcdavid's not on tv enough like you know like my dad for instance my dad loves hockey but he's not staying up till midnight and getting the the nhl tv package to watch the oilers play right so he basically doesn't get to watch Connor mcdavid play hockey and it's like, how about when they come east and they come play the Penguins and they come play Toronto? Like, let's throw them on NBCSN. Like, I feel like they're not, at least here in the States, they're not on enough. And to me, that's the opposite of what the NFC is. So I, hey, I hate that comparison. Uh, thank you. I, and I'm glad you feel that way. I just it, it crossed my mind. But how do you like uh, NBC throwing the Oilers-Senators games at everybody i think it was a three o'clock mountain time start oh, yeah. here for us a couple of weeks ago and i'm like i was talking to my producers i'm like what time are we on the air for pregame on wednesday <laughs> two what time two. i thought the game's a regular five o'clock start out east where you know seven mm-hmm. seven eastern five mountain and they're like no they're on nbcsn at 5 p.m eastern time we're on at two for the pregame i was like that is bonkers and a terrible matchup with Ottawa. Although Ottawa's a team that works really hard. And Everton won those games. They were tight games. But anyway, I just thought to myself, I'm like, boy, what a what a choice for a game. Yeah. <laughs> There's always some weird ones there. I yeah. I, I, th- I hate I, I hope ESPN, you know, doesn't get swept up in what the local ratings look like for the teams that they're they're bringing in yeah. because they obviously don't get that with the Canadian markets. And what I hope is with when ESPN gets this contract they'll look at the, the 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 larger scope. They'll look at okay, yeah, we're not going to get the ratings boost that we would get from, you know, the fans watching in Minneapolis, watching the Wild play. But you know what? Like where are the where are a lot of the big stars of the game? McDavid is in Canada. You yep. know, Matthews is in Canada. Marner's yep. in Canada. Um Elias Pettersson is in Canada. Goudreau and Monahan like in Kachuk, they're in Canada. Both Kachuk now. For now, right. We'll see yeah. what happens with Calgary. Yeah. And like, you know, like Montreal's always interesting to watch. Like you've got, Winnipeg's got star players. Like you've got 
young star players in the league that are all up north, and you can't just ignore them if you're these U.S. Uh, TV broadcasters down here. So, yeah, that's a that's a subject that gets me fired up. I like um, it. All right, we'll take a time out here and we'll go through a couple of the big trades that happened on deadline day uh, when we come back here on the Locked On NHL podcast with Joe DiBiase and Tom Gazzola. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here. And let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cash Back Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover cash back debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This episode of the Locked On Sabres podcast is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. If you have not tried a Built Bar yet, I strongly encourage you to do so as somebody that did not eat protein bars because of the taste. And as somebody, am I a candy snob? Am I an aficionado? I don't know. I eat a lot not as much anymore. Growing up, a lot of candy bars. And I'm telling you, Built Bar is a candy bar. It's not. It tastes like one, though. You have 18 amazing flavors to pick from, including six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. If you go for the, the coconut almond puff flavor, that is my favorite. And I'm not even a coconut guy, but it's like eating a mallow cup. That's how good it is. Built Bars are also great for the healthy, conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets. For example, the peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Lockdown NHL podcast. Joe DiBiase and Tom Gazzola. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Sneaky Joe Sports. Tom is at Tom Gazzola. Let's go through some of the big trades from deadline day. The one that triggered me the most was between the Red Wings and the Capitals. Anthony Mantha to Washington for Jacob Vrana, Richard Ponick, a first round pick and a second round pick. And Tom, you could talk. You could talk some sense to me if you if you can. It's going to be a tough task because I 
at the least think Vrana and Mantha are comparable. Like their production is similar over the course of their careers. They are very different players. Mantha is a sniper. Like he is a finisher and Vrana is more like just straight ahead speed, good hands. He can be a playmaker too. kind of more well-rounded offensive game in my eyes. But man, like I, I think you could argue I'd rather have Vrana than Mantha (laughs) and Detroit and, Washington gives up a first and a second on top of it. I thought that was one of the worst trades I had seen in years. Well, the first thing that came to mind is, wow, bravo, Steve Eiserman. And, and I guess everybody outside of Dylan Larkin was really on, on the, the board for the trade bait. And we saw that. It, and to me, it's like, okay, what's going on here? And we heard a little bit that, that Verano wasn't necessarily the situation wasn't great. He wasn't particularly happy in Washington. That's a pretty damn good team, obviously. And mm-hmm. and maybe he wanted an opportunity somewhere else. He gets that. But the sweetener in a first and a second? Like, mm-hmm. do the Caps value Mantha that much? Like, that is a steep price to pay. And, and you're kind of, like you said, point-wise, just switching one for the other, a different type of player. But maybe Washington, if you're looking at it from their point of view, really thinks that Mantha puts this team over the top, big, skilled, speed. And if they're going for it this year, which I'm pretty sure they are, mm-hmm. they must think that he's a key to postseason success. And yeah. they're willing to sell everything, including the farm, to go for it. Ovechkin's not young. Backstrom's not young. So... Um, wow, was my initial thought and good on Steve Eisenman. He is, he is wily savvy. And all of a sudden he turned, uh, one asset in a pretty gar- uh, pretty darn good player into mm-hmm. three assets in a pretty darn good player, a first rounder and a second rounder, which is always great, even though it's going to probably be a late first rounder, obviously. And then, uh, maybe even a late yeah. second rounder, but still. First and a second, that's always that those are good assets. And then Richard Ponick. So right. and then Richard um, Ponick. <laughs> yeah, uh, Richard Ponick is part yeah. of the deal. I, I I think for Detroit, some huge pieces. And then uh for Washington to them, literally a huge body with some skill that I think that they've targeted and mm-hmm. think that puts them over the top. Still, Joe to me, incredibly steep price to pay. Yeah. Vrana, by the way, like, I think he was right for, you know, not being happy. Like he had put up points and I mentioned that his points totals in his career are similar to Mantha, but if you look at it, they're better per 60 minutes. They're way better per 60 minutes of ice time. He actually, since he entered the league, no, not since he entered the league, sorry, in the last three years, uh, Vrana is sixth in the NHL in points per 60 minutes among forwards. And like, you look at the point totals, it's like, okay, you know, He's got 25 points in 39 games this year. Pretty good. Last year, 26 points in 40 games. Pretty good. 52 points the year before that in 69 games. 47 and 82. But then look, just look a little bit over on the stat sheet to ice time. And it's a 13-minute, 41-second average for his career. And he's yep. never topped. He's never even hit 15 minutes for that. And then it's like, oh, first game of Detroit. And he's playing in the top six. He plays 18 minutes and he scores a goal. Yeah, <laughs> his first game for the Red Wings, like not a surprise there. So I think um, I think you make a good point, though, like what is happening here? And if we try to understand Washington's perspective, it is probably a move that does 
fit their lineup better right now. And if they are going all in to win a Stanley cup, it makes a little more sense to me, but still, I think they paid way too much. Yeah. Um, all right. How about Taylor hall? I don't want to say too much on this. You can get a ton <laughs> of my thoughts on it from locked on sabers. I'll, just as a quick recap for me, I do think I've, I've been defending the sabers on this a little bit. I think hall put them in a very tough spot. Kevin Adams confirmed and actually hall even said it hall was very, open about the process and his uh, introductory zoom call with the Boston media. I got that sense from him, by the way, We're, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Like Hall would, would like, he was a straight shooter. It seemed mm-hmm. to me like he, he was not afraid to hide anything. No. Um, so he basically confirmed himself too, that like he used his no movement clause to get to Boston. And then Kevin Adams the next day is like, yeah, he told us he would only play for the Bruins or he got to a point where he said, I want to be a Boston Bruin yeah. and we obliged him. So, I guess you could kind of understand the difficult position that the Sabres had in that, well, there's no competition in the market if he says, I just want to play for the Bruins. So you're not really going to be able to get a first round pick. Um, The one criticism I have had is I have the thought that if they had pulled it off sooner, if they had done the trade four or five days before that, maybe the Islanders when they were interested in Hall or maybe the Leafs before they had traded for Nick Foligno, I think maybe what led to Hall telling them I want to be a Bruin is the other two teams he would have accepted a trade to had already found their guys and the Sabres and Bruins were left standing there um, as the only ones without a dance partner. So that's my synopsis on the trade. What was your first thought when you saw Hall for a second in Anders Bjork? Yeah, initially you're like, oh, wow, that's that's not a lot. But you you think about the circumstances and he does reveal, you know, he exercised the the power that is the no movement clause and. That's well within his right as part of the CBA. And I'm glad you brought up the Curtis Lazard trade. I just really wanted to hit on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to see Taylor Hall thrown in there as part of the package is great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the the Sabres were in a position of weakness. And they just tried to make the most out of it that they could. And this is what you get. I mean, that's part of the deal. I'm pretty sure people understand, for the most part, after the initial shock, after a deal is made like this with a player that is as relevant as Taylor Hall, that it hurts a little bit, but you look at the grand scheme of things like, Hey, one year deal, big ticket. Uh, there's gotta be cap space. Your, your hands are tied to a certain extent and it's good that they came out and just said it. And I think that calms people's, uh, nerves a little bit and, and their, their frustrations. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I mean, he's got to find his game. He scored the other night, which is great, but, um, Boston's kind of been a team that's been a little bit hit or miss, but they, they could ramp up and he could be a key add to them, but we'll see. It's the other thing I'll I'll bring it closer to home for me is we had some absolutely insane Oilers fans that were dead set on Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall coming back to Edmonton, Joe Mm -hmm. and Oilers Twitter around deadline day was a very, very strange place. There were so many People on Twitter, <laughs> and on our text lines, on TSN 1260, so upset with Ken Holland that he was not able to get Taylor Hall. And there were so many like misreports or misinterpretations saying, oh, yeah, he would come back here in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's good that he came out and said, no, I want to go play in Boston. And, you know, what's funny is I tweeted out after Ken Holland's availed, he was asked, you know, how how involved were you in, in trying to get Taylor Hall back here? And basically he's like, I don't even know if I can answer that. 
And he's like, no, uh, the answer is no, not really. That he was not in mm -hmm. on Taylor Hall. And when I tweeted out the direct quote, people were like splitting. Theirs. They're like, why didn't you include the first part of that quote where he said he can't really talk about it? Or that's a lie. He was definitely in on Taylor Hall. Come on. that You're really going to believe that? And it's it's just like these people, I don't know if it's the COVID lockdowns or what. They just don't want to believe anything. And mm -hmm. and there there was so much vitriol spewed in Oilers Twitter because Taylor Hall got sent to the Bruins. Just so weird, Joe. Just very, very strange. Um, there's still this sense among some here in Edmonton that he needs to come back to the Oilers uh, because this fan base or a certain extent of them have been slighted by that one-for-one -one deal. Like, it's just this very strange m mindset among some. And... Yeah, I, I when I saw him go from Buffalo to Boston, I was just like, "Thank God, it's over and done with." But no, well, sure enough, there's still the crazy few that were just, you know, running. Well, they're they're also, throwing their TVs off their balconies and stuff like that. I don't envy you then, because he's also a free agent come the oh off my season. God. So yeah, you're ready for already up. another round of it in a few months. Like the fifth time, man. Like it's just yeah. ridiculous. I'm just like, stop it already. But people yeah. won't listen. Um. All right, well, let's actually wrap there on the deadline. We had one more trade to talk about, but I, we got to wrap. And there's not breaking news in the NHL, but there's news in the NHL. And this is funny to me because last night, the Lightning put Steven Stamkos on long-term injured reserve. And that means he'll miss at least 10 games, uh, 24 days. And I remember Greg Wyshynski tweeted that this is – Oh my God, this is Kucherov for Stamkos swap by these sinister cap geniuses, right? Yeah. And then sure enough, eight minutes ago, Nikita Kucherov is on the ice for practice in Tampa Bay. How about um, that? <laughs> there, it's amazing. Hey, we um, knew that something yeah. like this would happen. Come on. Like, you knew. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. Are we really yeah. surprised? No, we're not. I think everyone assumed he would be back by playoff time, right? right? Yeah. So I'm not surprised. That's and, a, you know, once they get to playoff time, they'll be able to have both of them. So that's why you have capologists. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. Tampa. All right. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us on today's podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. I will rejoin the podcast on Tuesday with Mike DeStefano from locked on Leafs and me and Tom will rejoin you guys next Friday here on the locked on NHL podcast, part of the locked on podcast network. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.